Time for part two. <laughs> Welcome back to the Party Talk podcast, where we empower leaders in youth drug prevention. We're back with Joel, and we're continuing the conversation. And if you remember where we left off, we are about to learn if counselors, school counselors were a thing or like where it came from. And I did not expect Joel to know this. Enjoy. And so maybe there'll be a time in the future where that's everywhere. And I'm kind of wondering, have, have school counselors been around for like a hundred years or is this kind of like new? <laughs> Ooh, you bring me back to the, the days of UWM when I had to take history classes in this. So really? the, yeah. So the, the school counselor, um, didn't really, I, I hope I'm not misquoting, um, and <laughs> I respect my professors. Um, but fr from what I'm remembering, the school counseling role didn't really take place until the early 1900s. And it was at the time, it wasn't even guidance counselor. It was called vocational counselor. And their sole job was to find students jobs. So you would go to their office and they would say, what do you want to be? Um, you know, oh, I want to be a metal worker. Okay. Metal worker. Like they, it was just very like not personal. They were just really trying to, um, fill the void for missing jobs. And it kind of came about during the great wars because they were trying to fill the spots that, um, that the men all left for battle. They were trying to fill those spots. And then it's, it's, it was also kind of government driven too. And I mean, it's always government driven, but there, there's, um, in the 50s, it was really government-driven. They were trying to be more competitive in the global market. So then the they were pushing for STEM fields because they wanted to get to the moon faster. Or, you know, they um, the arms race during the Cold War and just all this stuff. So there's global um, stuff that kind of gets in the way or kind of like gears counselors. And it wasn't until around the 80s and 90s so pretty recent that social emotional stuff started coming into the schools because they realized holy crap we need more than just like career counselors like these kids probably need some like help because they noticed that numbers were ticking up with mental health and so then they started training uh counselors to be pseudo trained and social emotional because i'm not a licensed therapist i always tell my students that that if they if they need to have one-on-one -on -one counseling then i refer them out or i offer them that option yeah but that's when I, I think that was like the turning point was the 80s and 90s when um it became guidance counselor and then it was like not so much sel but it was pushing a little bit more towards it and then it wasn't until the 2000s i think when it was like okay we need to have social emotional on there too and that's when they ask a model, develop the three domains of um, academic career or, ac or academics, college and career and social emotional. So those are the three domains of focus as a school counselor, um, the American School Counseling Association that they um, really pinpoint on. Okay. Very yeah. Cool. yeah. I did not expect you to know that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I might have butchered the heck out of it. <laughs> I, I mean, that's what I remember. But yeah, so I tell students like, you don't have to remember everything. Like just right. If the general just like, it's okay to be wrong and be corrected. I'm sure people will. Why? <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Um, 
even if, even if he just made that whole thing up, that's impressive. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, it makes sense that, so you're, you enjoy learning too, so that you probably, maybe you retain this information, you're, you're going to use it and you like learning. So it just, I'm getting an insight into your brain right now of like, oh, that class, you know, that history class, you can still remember some of the stuff that you learned, even if the dates are a little off or whatever, like, yeah, um, it, that's super interesting. And I'm curious too, because knowing your school and you mentioned the three areas, um, yeah. they, they were kind of like what it was the job, like, uh, so academics, college career and social emotional and social emotional. Okay. So. For this case, I would say drug prevention very much falls into the social emotional learning. Mm-hmm. Is um, I, I got two questions for you. I'll ask you the first. Oh, one. lay it on me. And uh, first one is you mentioned students coming into your office or you're around to ask them about drug use if you do smell something or just to ask them how they're doing and they will share. Oh well, I use this. You know, I smoke weed um, to deal with this, and you listen. You might offer some ideas, ask how they cope, um, deal with things. And which is interesting for our listeners, over 70% of students who use drugs, 70% say stress is one of the top factors. So this is just something we can expect for students these days. They're stressed. They're online. You know, they're stressed socially because they're just always available and they could be ridiculed. They could be looked at. Um, they're they're Yeah, they're connected. Um and they could be stressed because of the weight of family, having jobs, taking care of. And even if their family isn't around, that's a stress too, mm-hmm. not having the role models around. So there's so many reasons why. I just like to say this. Students are stressed and that's okay. It's not that they are, yeah, they're paying the bills and they're raising a family. Like that's the only thing that stresses people out. There are plenty of things. And when you have a young mind, your frontal lobe isn't fully developed, you can't deal with stress in the same way um or things will stress you out that might not stress an adult out so just understanding that i'm curious do you see in your role at your school is prevention in your role like are are you doing that kind of work or is it pretty much the one-on-ones in your office it's typically the one-on-ones in my office uh we don't have a like set curriculum or um plan it's usually individualized basis just because our population is not it's not a major concern within our school um as i mentioned earlier the the major concern within our building is keeping kids at school and not going to work um and not prioritizing that over their education um so then the the drugs are more of a side effect within my building so that's why it's one-on-one um we haven't hit a threshold where um because we we have like monthly meetings with the the uh social um support staff or the school support staff um so social workers psychs you know we we meet once a month and we talk about data and like what's going on um and drugs have never really come up as an issue like we we mentioned like oh it's a side effect of this like you know we have a lot of trauma kids we have a lot of kids that um have rough family lives or um maybe their living situation isn't the grace they're they're homeless um but we try to provide resources and services for our students as much as we can so it doesn't get to a point where they rely on drugs to um 
warp their reality and make it more tolerable. Yes. And that's well said too, is that, yeah, the drug use is a side effect or it's something that happens because of something else. There's a root of the problem that needs to be met. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's good to remember. I says I work with some schools who think like as a speaker and someone with a curriculum that I could come in for one day and <laughs> all, all these issues. It's like, no, I can do some education. I can share with them something in a really fun way that gets them to listen mm-hmm. probably to the same things you've been telling them, but it's a new person with a different story, a unique way to say it that gets them talking and mm-hmm. probably going into the counselor's office to have that conversation for the first time, maybe or challenge themselves to find new coping mechanisms because the root of the problem is like you said, those other things of the stress, maybe homelessness and and things like that, that would make someone want to escape. Um, So that's good. Thank you for sharing that with me. Yeah. That brings me to the next part is uh, what does social emotional learning look like for you? Are you, are you doing anything that you're proud of or things that are out of the box or just other counselors that might be listening could steal from you or anything like that. <laughs> so I have to thank our school for doing uh, restorative practices within our building. And I, I am a firm believer in restorative practices because I've seen the effects within our students. They will request circles. If you're familiar with uh, restorative practices at all. Uh, um, I, yeah. I know restorative practices, but I don't know what circles. Okay. So um, with, within a circle, it's it's an approach to uh, like a conflict or a problem. So what you'll have is say student A um, said something mean to student B and student B decided to throw a water bottle at student A. So what you can do and way we give our students this option is whether um, they can choose, okay, you can have a circle or because you have that right as a student or you can go straight to admin and they can handle it. And uh, most of the time students are like, happy to do a circle because within a circle you have a mediator so say i'll set as a mediator and then you have student a and student b come into a room and they have a talking piece and um each student there's four steps to the circle each student gets to talk about objectively what happened like what time of day was it uh where was it um and like what objectively happened no emotion no nothing at first and then second step is you talk about how it affected other people so your conflict how did it affect the building how did it affect the classroom how did it affect the student sitting next to you and then last or the third step you talk about how it affected you personally so then we don't leave that part out um and then the fourth step is um compromise so you come up with an agreed compromise or steps moving forward and we tell students when we're teaching them because we actually have a class of this we tell them that we're not expecting you to come out hand in hand skipping down the hallway kumbaya like we're just expecting you to come to a point where you're like okay we can agree to disagree or you can oh we can we can like we're cool kind of thing and more often than not, students really work well. So I have to thank my staff for that and then uh, what's already built in the building. Me personally, with social-emotional learning, um, I really am a firm believer with teenagers because I see it too far often where in buildings, it's really easy for to just yell, for example. 
Like, you know, if a kid's late to class and, and I have fellow staff members that do this, unfortunately, but they'll just be like, get to class. And they'll be like, you're late. What are you doing? Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> so I'm really a firm believer in um, talking to kids in a calm tone and treating them not like kids, but like young adults where I'm like, you, you know what you're doing. Like, yes, your frontal lobe is developing. I could say that all day, but I'm... <laughs> They they have this mentality of like you know oh I'm I'm an adult already I know what I'm doing with my life <laughs> and I'm like okay then let's treat you like an adult and let's let's give you steps and give you the information and you know like the kind of like a consultation yeah. and at least with the, what I found with successes is by doing that then students are like oh oh snap no I'm not an adult I'm not ready for this and and then I'm like that's okay. Cause you are a kid and that's fine. Like there's nothing wrong. Like you don't need to grow up so fast. It's okay to learn from your mistakes. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to, um, do that stuff. I wish someone would have told me that because I many embarrassing moments as a teenager, but I, I just, I guess the, the inner teenage me wanted an adult to just be like, it's okay. Yeah, that's wrong. <laughs> You did something stupid. What did you learn from it? Yeah. And that's kind of what I do with kids. So I pick and choose battles. Um, like if I'm really steadfast, I want them to do something. I, you know, I'll be like kind of a little bit more pushy. But for most stuff, I, and this, I'm probably going to be crucified for this, but I also, I, I kind of want them to fail a little bit because I want them to learn, like know what that feels like. And then, just learn from that and kind of move forward and become stronger because of that. And I, I don't, you know, I don't do that with like major stuff in their life, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it just with little stuff like that. So in my, um, in my respect to the, at, at the building level, the restorative practices is awesome. That really like is built in the curriculum, um, the climate and students really learn social emotional learning through that. On an individual basis, I am really in the firm belief of talk, treating them like I would any other adults or, you know, like a, just a human, quite frankly, and just calmly talking to them. I don't think it's necessary to yell. I, I mean, I just think it's, it, I don't know. I grew up in a household where there was, um, where my father would yell occasionally to get his point across and it just it was very unhealthy in my eyes but that's just me personally uh for some people they need to get that out um but i i just approach students in that way in a calm like respectful you know i'll, I'll treat you like an adult and then if you you know come to that realization of holy crap i'm a teenager then <laughs> that's fine like I'm here for you. Like, that's why I'm not going anywhere. I'm here to support you. Yeah. I think students notice that too, because you, they see the way that you act and you're calm and you're, you're in control. When you're yelling, you're not in control. Your emotions are heightened. Maybe you're aggravated. It shows that something got the better of you. Right. Their behavior got the better of you. You're stressed out with schoolwork, whatever that got the better of you. But when you come in in a calm manner, it makes people feel safe. Like, oh, this this person knows something I don't. I could probably ask them for help. Or they're always calm and collected. I, I can go to them 
And so it makes sense that it's really cool. I'm glad that you're a school counselor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you hear that. <laughs> Versus like the person who is like, can you imagine like a high strung drama fiend being a school counselor? <laughs> they love oh. it for all the wrong reasons. <laughs> right. And perpetuate an insane school culture. Whereas, which is funny, like even just saying that out loud, if you're a different school counselor and you get involved in all the drama, check that you're in the right profession because right. students need that safe place to go. Uh, even if they are the drama person of the school, they're going to learn from you and they're going to remember that person who is always calm and collected and you make an impact on them. And, and I think showing them the respect of treating them like an adult is something they might not get at home. They might not get from other teachers. So for you to call them to a high standard and say, hey, I'm going to treat you like an adult because you have everything that it takes to act like one. But what, you know what happened here? And giving them that respect, they're going to return it too. Versus if, I mean, humans are mirrors. So if you're yelling at them, that yelling is going to bounce right back at you. That's, that's what we do. It's the same reason why you get sad when you see someone crying or you smile when you see someone smiling. Yeah. Is humans are connected that way. We're designed for community and to be with each other. So it's, yeah, it's, man, all this stuff just goes full, full circle of, yeah. of how we're treating people. And it's cool that you have the social emotional learning piece incorporated into when, uh, you know, when trouble happens or conflict yeah. happens too, along with the curriculums and the different thing that you're using. Uh, is there anything that you'd like to share that might be helpful just in general for other other people, you know, counselors, principals, other people working with students? And I'll say this specifically, just anything we can take away from your school that will help with drug prevention or even, like you said, the restorative practice if students are using any wisdom that you can impart? So I guess on, a, on an individual basis, I think the biggest advice I can share is be okay to mess up in front of kids. Like we were doing the FAFSA or one of the graduation requirements for our district is to complete the FAFSA. It's exhausting. It's a long process. We all remember doing it for those that went to college and for teenagers, I imagine it's just pulling teeth. <laughs> so there've been some students who have come in and there was one student in particular where the, she was we finally figured out the reason it wasn't connecting is because she was on her mom's account and she was trying to fill it out for herself. So then I finally realized that and I'm like, well, we've been on your mom's account this whole time. And, you know, I just like, I use my theater stuff and I'm kind of like, oh, that's embarrassing. Oh, you know, whatever. I'm like, you know, Mr. Rathman messed up. And then she was like teasing me and was like, she's like, Mr. Rathman was like doing that. I'm like, I know. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm going to compromise. I'm going to type everything for you so we don't have to do it all over again. How does that sound? And just like owning up to your mistakes. If you're like adults, if kids see that adults make mistakes, I think they relate to you more. And then they're, they're like, and how you react to those mistakes too. I've messed up. I've told kids information and it was wrong. Or I've called a kid a name and like that happened today. I called a kid a name and he was like, um, I'm so-and-so. I'm not, I, I don't know why everyone thinks I look like him. And I'm like, well, that's embarrassing. And then I'll just do that and I'll be like, so uh, 
forget what I said and I'll like laugh or do some goofy voice. Like I think when kids see that and you're playful and you're just transparent and honest about messing up there then kids just respect you more, which do you think it'd be the opposite? Like you have to know everything as an adult, but wow. yeah. Well, yeah, that would be one of the big ones. And then another one is I, as I mentioned earlier, I will market restorative practices to the ends of the earth. What I'm hearing you say, like the main theme, which I love is just the vulnerability. Kind of that same thing you said, like that singing requires and getting that yourself out there is useful to you today as you navigate, you know, working with students and calling them to, to be better, to resolve conflict, using those restorative practices and being a role model as you are, are messing up and you can show them how you react to it. And that's the thing is, um, I heard that, you know, behavior is caught, not taught. So they're going to learn more by watching you than doing what you say. And if anybody here remembers being a kid, yeah, you didn't care about what anybody told you to do. You are more likely to look at them, see what they were like and say, oh yeah, I want to be like that. And then copy that same behavior. So yeah, thanks for being so vulnerable here and sharing your story and sharing some tips too on how maybe some people could steal a few tips from you. Jake, thank you so much for having me on here. This was awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for being here. Man, that wraps it up. Thank you for listening to another episode of Party Talk where we get to empower leaders in youth drug prevention. Thanks for listening to the whole thing. Hopefully you got enough value out of it uh, as I did because yeah, I just love talking with that guy. It was super, super fun. And we'll see you next week for another episode of Party Talk. <laughs>